This episode of Dear Anxiety is brought to you by Go Action, the new animated procrastination program from GoZen. The Go Action series uses the power of story to teach kids to stop procrastinating and take action on homework, chores, self-care, and anything else kids love to put off till the last minute. Find out more at gozen.com forward slash procrastination. Well, I'll tell you, that you're listening to Dare Anxiety. I'm Ed Krasnick, my partner, Rini Jane, coming along in just a minute. But today we have a special show. First of all, what is Dear Anxiety? And I forget. No, I do remember. Dear Anxiety is a show, we're a show that talks about mental health issues, our relationship to our thoughts and feelings. I don't know that there's anything more basic than that. But the world seems to think it's some kind of sophisticated thing. Like it's, we're really sophisticated now because we're talking about mental health. But it's not sophisticated, it's basic and it's important. And that's why we do the show. But we do it with a lighter tone. We try to do it with comedy. I don't think you can tell that I'm a comedian right now, but I am. Today's show is a very big topic and this is called belonging. I don't know what you think of when you hear that word, belonging. But it could be that we all could have a sense of well-being and belonging in the world if we learned how to practice it. So maybe we'll talk about that today with Rini. Rini is studying all kinds of things like this, and she uses it in her business, in her world, in her community called GoZen. GoZen.com, she's the founder and the chief creator there at GoZen, and teaches resilient skills to kids and parents and schools all over the world and has had a lot of experience with this. Studied at the University of Pennsylvania with uh, Martin Seligman, the father of applied positive psychology. She's a pioneer. She's a queen. She's the queen of super heavy funk. And she's here today. Yeah, I love being the queen of super heavy funk. (laughs) You put the funk in this function. That's right. I put the Ean and Queen. Yeah, I don't know what right. it means, but I like it. That's exactly right. Yeah. Now, you you know, when you say belonging, I say belonging. No, you, I don't say potato or potato. You say belonging. And, and so what, why are you interested in belonging? And what do you, uh, what's your view of belonging when you hear that word? I think it's so deeply part of who we are that even if you couldn't define what it is, you know what it is because you want it, right? It's something we all want. So if I was thinking the other day, if you've ever seen Harry Potter or have read the books, then you know that when they go to Hogwarts for the first time, when you come in as a first year there, you get sorted into a house, kind of like the houses that they live in. So for those of you who don't know, Hogwarts is the school where you go to learn and hone your magic, right? And they have these different houses that the kids live in, kind of like dorms if you were in a college. But they put this sorting hat on and the sorting hat calls out what house they're supposed to live in. So Harry Potter goes and he puts the hat on and they're like, you're a Gryffindor which is the house he gets to live in. And everyone's like, yay. But my thought was, imagine if you put that hat on, (laughs) it just was silent. You belong nowhere. Everybody wants to fit into a group somewhere, right? And we don't, and we want to fit in. We want our friends to open up their arms. We don't want to have to fight our way into these groups. We want to fit in in. It is a natural part of being a human to be to want to be part of some sort of group to not stick out like a sore thumb. But what I have learned, you know, in my research, and some of this comes from the work of Brene Brown, I think she's amazing. I'm sure there are people who are listening who are familiar with her work, is that there's something interesting, right? 
We think of fitting in as the same thing as belonging. And this is our myth for today. Mm -hmm. We want to fit in, right? And we think that will help us belong. But what fitting in does is this, this idea for me is it makes us camouflage who we really are. We're either camouflaging or we're turning into a chameleon. So by camouflaging, we're trying to cover up who we really are so we're not sticking out like a sore thumb, right? If we're a kid and there's something different about us, we really want that camouflage so nobody notices those differences. Or we're turning into a chameleon and kind of, or a pretzel, right? And like twisting and turning who we really are in order to seek the approval of someone else or, you know, fit in. But what we really, really need to do is get away from trying to fit in because fitting in essentially makes us fake. We're not authentic. So fitting in really to me is faking it, right? Faking who you are so that you can be accepted. But belonging is showing up as your very imperfect self, as we all are, and being accepted for who you are. So this might seem like semantics, right? It's just different words. It's not different words. It's really different philosophies, different lifestyles, different ways of being. Waking up in the morning and being like, I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not. I'm going to own who I am. I'm going to love it. I'm going to feel empowered by my differences. Right? Imagine if every kid woke up like that and I'm going to go to school or go do whatever I do during the day and I'm going to I'm going to be proud of that. And I am going to feel a sense of community, a sense of belonging, friendship, social connections, being who I am and not pretending to be something I'm not. I think that most of the world is fitting in. Most of the world is is that you're trained to fit in. You started in school and you figure out where you fit and you try to fit. Very little of the world for most people. I don't know. It's not for all people. I certainly know people who are, who are like this, who have a genuine sense of belonging. I'm not one of them, but I would say that most people spend their lives trying to find out where they fit. And certainly in work, very few people are doing something that comes out of a sense of belonging because of their authenticity. Many people are trying to survive in today's world and they're trying to survive based on a fitting in mentality. It's not what do I want to do? It's where can I get a job? Where can I fit? Where can I go to school? Who will accept me? And how do I how do I function in the world? It's it's survival. It's mostly survival. It is survival. It is survival. And speaking of survival, right, again, this is something that is wired into us so deeply that when researchers look at the brain, the same part of your brain that lights up when you're having physical pain is the same part of your brain that lights up when you are left out of something. So experiencing rejection in your life literally physically hurts. Can you believe that? It's no wonder why we struggle to belong, to try to fit in, because it's hurting us. It's physically hurting us not to. Well, yeah. And then the, then the question becomes, okay, so if I have this feeling of pain and this feeling of hurt, what, what then do I say to myself? And most people don't say anything to themselves. They just let it go by and they internalize the hurt. And then they're like, I'm not going to do that again because that's really hurtful. And really, you know, 
that's when you live. That's when you become alive is when you're feeling different things and having different emotions and you're being authentic in the world and you have feelings as a result of that. I know that intellectually. That doesn't really, but it hasn't helped me in my own life to be more authentic, knowing it intellectually. You have to practice it. You have to practice it. You have to practice it, I think. But what you're talking about can't be understated. The awareness of what we're thinking and what we're feeling without running away from it, just the ability to observe our own thoughts and feelings. If we're able to do that ourselves, we are able to then teach it to our kids and gift it to them. If you took anything away from this episode or any other episodes that you've listened to of Dear Anxiety, it would be that. Be an observer. Teach your kids to be an observer of their experience because it teaches them so many different things. It teaches them to detach somewhat from the thoughts and the feelings that they are and not to tie their identity to it. We're not saying that thoughts aren't important. We're not saying that feelings are important. We're just saying that they're temporary and they're tools and they're messengers and they don't necessarily make you who you are. So this idea that you're talking about of just having this awareness that, yeah, I don't fit in, you know, and it's painful. I think there is, again, you know, some of the science is so interesting to me that we really need to think about why we why we have kids that are trying so desperately to fit in and we're telling them listen you can be different and it's okay you know you don't need that but do they really not need it they need that sense of belonging they did this research where they have this monkey this was, this was kind of a popular research project where they have these monkeys and they give them a choice they're baby monkeys you can either drink milk from a bottle and the bottle is held up by this cold wire mesh that's shaped like their mom, like shaped like a monkey mom. Hmm. Or you can cuddle with this soft plush monkey mom, right? This doll that they created, but that doll doesn't have any milk. So do you see the two choices? One is food. (laughs) You can either eat or you can go get a hug. And most of the monkeys pick love over food. And we are wired in a similar way that we need social connection to survive. It is a basic necessity where we need food, we need water, we need shelter. We also need social connection. You know, I can, I can remember being a little kid and being surrounded by very loud, demonstrative, great storytelling, funny relatives around the kitchen table where there were three generations of people who were basically sitting and gathering and complaining to each other about whatever their day was or whatever. And I felt a sense of belonging to that group because there was sharing and there was love and there was connection there. And people You're like, were t- those are my people. Those yeah. are my people. Well, yeah. yeah. And people were together. And as I said, I've said it over the years, almost everything that I do is a desire to get back to that table because it's not a sense of doing, it's a sense of being. And that's how I want to be in the world. And that's why I'm really good at, you know, I love talking to people and I love listening to their stories and, and connecting in that way. So that's when I'm home. That's when I'm where I'm supposed to be. But that said, that's a really hard thing to carry with you and to remember when you're scared or remember when you have feelings of insecurity or remember when you don't feel like you're enough. It's hard to remember that those feelings are in you and not in what you do. They're in you. So 
anyway, I, I don't know, you know, I, I, there's a lot that I could say about this. I, I don't want to bring Well, I think it's beautiful, you know, and I think that the thing is, is like what you're saying is that you, everything you do is trying to get back to that table, but that, that experience, that table is in you. It is part of the fabric of who you are. You carry that love inside of you, that love and belonging, right? That got internalized a long time ago. So while you physically left the table, you are always figuratively there. And I think that that's something that we really need to teach our kids. And this may seem so philosophical and above their heads, but what we're teaching them is that this sense of belonging and self-acceptance really, truly, truly starts from within, which is wonderful because if it starts from within, we are empowered to make changes. We're not relying on the words of others. Whereas when we're trying to fit in, we are looking at what are other people saying about me? What are they saying about the way I look? What are they thinking about the way I dress, right? We're really super concerned about judgments from other people. And this especially happens to kids when they're trying to fit in. They experience a lot of social anxiety, Right. And what are the hallmarks of social anxiety? What happens is you see the manifestations. Kids who don't want to go into a room where people are already sitting down. They don't want to go to parties or social activities. They don't want to answer questions in public. They're scared to make eye contact. So these are, but that, you know, we get a lot of questions when people send us questions, Ed, and they'll say, my child doesn't want to go to a party and or my child doesn't want to look kids in the eye when they're speaking and they get super nervous and and what can I do? And I say, we've gone so far down the path because that's just, that's the end result. And But if we rewind, the rewinding is to where the root of the issue is. The rewinding and the root of the issue is always within. It's right. always their interpretation of the challenge that they're experiencing. It's not the actual challenge. It's not the actual having to give the speech. It's the thinking about what are they thinking about? What are they feeling about it? And that's where we need to start because the step after our thoughts and our feelings, the step after that is our behavior. And the step after what's happening to our body and our behavior for the most part, what happens in some form or another when we feel like we don't fit in or we feel like there's nowhere where we're supposed to go is avoidance. Eventually we end up alone because we're like, I don't want to have bad thoughts. When I go into a party and I, all I'm thinking is that nobody really likes me, I don't want to have those thoughts and feelings anymore. They feel bad. And so, you know what? I just won't go to parties anymore and then I don't have to deal with it. Yeah, we avoid and we find other different, there are many different ways to avoid, usually in, you know, I mean, a lot in isolation. And so the opposite of whatever belonging is, is, you know, isolation. And so when you're isolated, you lose perspective and you lose connection and you start developing beliefs about yourself. Like I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. uh, Nobody cares about me. And that's how life is. And this is really what a lot of people experience. I, I, as much as I hate to say it, it is what happens to people. We also start to think that we're the only ones going through it. So we work with a lot of kids at Gozen that, and a lot of grownups, frankly, that feel like this is my personal, unique, one in seven and a half billion challenge. Why me? And how come no one else is going through this? And that always breaks my heart. Because if you're listening to this because you have a child that's experiencing social anxiety, that's experiencing this sense of not having anywhere where they fit, I will tell you that 
every single human on earth has had that experience at one time or another. It is part of our experience as a human. And so what we need to do is normalize it. Yeah, there is a worry message being sent to you. You know, the worry alarms going off in your child's head that they don't belong, they don't fit, someone's judging them. And that's normal. So we start from there, right? We start from the fact that that is built into all of us. Yeah. And if you, you know, someone's judging me, well, of course, if if that if you agree with them, I used to have a professor who said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And he was a very talented guy. And, and, and really you have to, I mean, it's how you are talking to yourself. It's how you're interpreting things. It's how you're behaving with yourself. It's what, it's how you're parenting yourself. Look, you could be, you could be a young person, but in some sense, we're all parents to ourselves now, where do kids learn parenting? Well, they learn it from their parents. So if you grow up teaching kids to be afraid of emotion, then that's how they're going to talk to themselves inside their own heads. The thing is, there's no perfection, right? We're all doing this together. So any step of awareness, and we always talk about this, it's not doing it perfectly. It's saying, are you aware of what's going on inside of you right now? Don't have to do anything about it not right now. The biggest step is I'm aware of it. I'm aware that I beat myself up when I go to parties. Okay, let's start there. I'm aware of it. That's yes. that's enough. That's enough. Yes. That's yes. enough. So a lot of times when our kids are experiencing something, we say to them, so how are you feeling about that? You know, we go into feelings and we talk about feelings all the time on this show. But I think something that's interesting about what you're saying is, is that you might want to start with what you're thinking. Because a lot of times kids will say, well, I don't really know what I was feeling, you know, and sometimes they will say, I don't really know what I was thinking. But if you want to get into a conversation with your child about what's going on, especially if you see that they're exhibiting some kind of social anxiety, or they're really uncomfortable about, you know, where about their identity and who they are and where they fit, then the conversation might start with what goes through their mind and what they're thinking. The other word that I picked up on what you just said is perfectionism. And I feel like with kids that we work with that are experiencing these sort of feelings that they don't belong, that there is kind of a social perfectionism that they they want to be all like very extreme, either like brilliant, funny, smart, and on that spectrum, or if they don't feel like something happens to validate those things, then all of a sudden they jump to the other extreme where they're boring and they're dull. So for example, you know, if a kid isn't invited to a party, then all of a sudden they jump to, well, nobody likes me. So there is a there is a perfectionistic kind of extreme thinking. Or if people, you know, if a child is telling a joke and maybe it's not a funny one. Sorry, Ed, I don't know if that one hits you in the gut. <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. Great. <laughs> well, then, you know, all of a sudden you make a self-judgment. You start to internalize what you think other people are judging you as. And all of a sudden you say to yourself, well, I must be boring or I'm not funny. You know, mm -hmm. so like one thing basically leads to a label and with this kind of perfectionism, the social perfectionism that kids have. Yeah, I think and I think what I did was I turned it inside out and I said, I'm going to say it before you say it. Oh, look how I come into a room. No wonder no one talks to me. And I will say that out loud. And then somebody laughs and there's my audience. There's my new friend. So I will, I'll just turn it, I'll just turn it, turn it upside down. But where it's coming from is it's coming from, you know, 
what if I don't belong, you know, or, or I do feel this way, or this is what I'm thinking in my head. Now, we do a lot of role playing on the show. We always sort of act it out because, like we say, everybody talks about mental health, but nobody shows you things that you can do, things that you can practice. So what if I am somebody who is coming, I'm a, I'm, I'm a kid, I'm coming into a party, and Rini, you can be, why don't you be my, my kind of spirit guide? through this. <laughs> okay. And you just tell, almost like in the movie It's a Wonderful Life, he's got Clarence the Angel who kind of takes him through his life. So I'm going into my life and I'm going to show you how I come into a party and I'm going to show you what I'm thinking while I'm doing it. And okay. then you can and then you tell me, you can sort of guide me along and and maybe check some of the thoughts I have. Okay, sounds this. good. I'd love to be a spirit guide. Let's do it. Okay. Let's get ready people. Quiet on the set. Hey, everybody. Hey, how you doing? Um, hey, what's everybody doing? How's it going? What's happening? Okay, here's what's happening in my head. Nobody likes me. I'm alone at this party. Everyone here is better, better looking, better than I am, and I'm less than they are. Oh, ouch. It sounds like we're thinking thoughts that are hurtful, thoughts that we would never say to a friend. But I see them. I see those thoughts. It's okay. Keep going. Hey, everybody. Yeah. So, so what? Has anybody seen any good movies lately? What's a, what's anybody seen? Uh, geez, I hope I can connect with them uh, on something here because if I don't, um, they're not going to like me. So I better smile and put out a lot of energy and um, try to control the conversation because I'm afraid of silence. Because if we're quiet, we might feel something that we don't want to feel. It sounds like we're making a lot of judgments about ourselves. It sounds like because someone's not responding in a way that you thought, that you believe you are. Can we do a fill in the blank? Let's do a fill in the blank. You know, we're standing here. Because no one spoke to me right when I walked in, I think I am worthless. Worthless. Mm. Because I told a joke. And no one laughed. I think I am. Unlovable. Mm. Because I had an idea of how this party would go and it's not going that way, I feel... Alone. Mm. It looks like we're learning a lot about the way that we think and then how the thoughts affect how we feel about ourselves. I know it's going to be hard to do right now, but I... I would love for us to kind of hold on to those thoughts and really look at them maybe later, maybe tomorrow again, because I think some of them are a little bit distorted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to just take a break. I'm going to go over here and have something to drink and I'll come back in a, in a couple minutes. I'll take a few breaths and sort of hang out for a little bit and get the feeling of what this party's all about and see if I can get out of my own party insecurity head and get into what's actually going on around me because I'm so used to doing the other, the party insecurity head. Let me take a break for a second. I love for you to take a break. Let's take a deep breath and maybe... Maybe because I use the word maybe, we can try some maybes, right? Okay. So before we said... Because I told a joke and nobody laughed, I feel, what did you say? 
alone uh, or worthless. Worthless. Okay. Let's try a maybe. I told a joke and nobody laughed. Maybe, and let's see if we can think of a different explanation. Well, maybe, maybe people didn't hear me. Maybe it wasn't that funny, but I'm st- it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. Okay. Maybe, maybe I, uh, maybe I was nervous and I wanted to make myself more comfortable and certainly that's okay. Okay. And then we said, because this party isn't turning out the way that I wanted it to, I feel, and you filled in the blank with something. Yeah. Alone. Alone. Okay. But this party isn't turning out the way that I expected, but maybe... Let's try a maybe. Well, maybe it's just, maybe it's going to go a different way than I thought, but there's lots of people here and there's lots of people talking and there's music. And so there's a lot of different things to experience. So let's see what happens. Awesome. That's amazing. And what we're doing right now, and I'm stepping out of the role play in my, in my spirit role. Cut. We got it. Print it. That's a wrap. By the way, I was sure. a, I was a spirit, spirit guy. I was a spirit nice. Yes, I was a spirit unicorn in my mind. What we're doing really is trying to create some alternative endings, some alternative stories, right? Because the narrative has been written very, very quickly, especially with a child who's feeling socially anxious. In their mind, they've made a judgment about how things are going to go, about what people are thinking about them, and they've written the end of the story for the night. But we all know that you never know what's going to happen. And it's important instead of us saying to them, well, think positively and you're great and don't worry about it and don't worry about what everyone thinks, that you teach them to come up with some alternative endings. And that's what maybe does. You know, one of the other things that we didn't do it in this, but one of the other things that we really need to work with our kids in doing is tolerating some discomfort. And in this particular situation, a social situation where you feel nervous, it's so natural. And a lot of times we're trying to calm ourselves down. We've talked about this before when it comes to test anxiety. Sometimes that's not the best technique. Sometimes you really need to use the stress and you need to even say it to yourself. Well, I'm feeling nervous and my hands are sweaty and my heart's beating, but maybe I can use that, you know, to my advantage. I'm just excited. I'm excited. Mm. I'm excited. Those three words are some of the best three words when it comes to being worried and when you're in a situation where you have to quote unquote perform. Mm -hmm. So for tests, for speeches, for social situations, because you can jump from stress to excitement. They're physiologically very similar. And so those are just some things that you could do. You could do the maybe statements. You could teach your kids to do the maybe statements. You could say, I'm excited. It's Mm -hmm. okay to feel this way. What we're trying to get them to do is not to run away because that's what we all want to do. Right. Yeah. And people do. They miss, you know, any you have opportunities for this a thousand times a day with your kids uh, and with yourself. So the, the question is, you know, first taking a pause. Let's take a pause. Secondly, looking at what am I thinking? What am I thinking? And then, you know, playfully, if you're able to do this, you know, practice it with your kids. Say, I went to a party tonight or I went to, you know, the kid had a a baseball game, a gathering. How did it go? Tell me what you were thinking when you went in. They know what they were thinking. They'll be able to tell you. And you can practice it. You can simulate it. If they're young, they can do role play. You can do it with dolls or you can do it with G.I. Joe's or you can do it with whatever toys they have. But you don't have to be young to do role plays, right? 
No, you can be. You can do it at any time. You can do it at the table. You can do it in your kitchen. You can do it in your life. You can do it in your living. You don't have to be young. If the way to get to them is to play with them, you can do it that way. But if the way, if you want to do it with yourself, you initiate it as a parent. Then you say, "Hey, you know, I I went to an event, and here's how I felt. You went to something today. You had a business meeting, and here's how you felt. Tell them about it. Talk about it. Let that be the dialogue." I use these techniques in my life all the time. (laughs) I'm talking out loud to myself all the time because not only because they help me, because but because I want to fine tune them and know if they work. Can I really do this thing I'm talking about on the Dear Anxiety podcast in my own life when I'm in a situation where I'm feeling socially awkward or socially anxious or, you know, I have to perform or, or whatever, whatever is going on? And does it really work? And how hard is it to do? And how can I make it my own? These are the questions that go through my head, you know, and that, and then we tweak. So make it work for you. The way that Ed and I play out these role plays, we don't practice them. You know, we, we do. And the reason that we don't practice them is not because we don't want to put a put on a good performance for you guys, but because we know that life is messy and we want you to see the messiness of it, but that it's okay to do it just good enough. Yeah, there's no there's no perfection in it. There is no perfection in it. There's never a perfection in it. Just being aware and just taking any steps, any conscious steps are you're way ahead of most of the population if you can take conscious steps as a parent. If you get that feeling and that thought that I can't do this because I don't have time. Well, let me ask you this. How much time do you have to be unhappy? Because that's what these things lead to. Do you have time for that? Because what the reason why people are so unhappy so often of the time is because they don't stop to take a look at what they're telling themselves and what they think and how they process their own feelings. That's what leads to unhappiness. So, you know, just pausing that process for even a few seconds, you can say, where am I? What's going on with me? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I saying to myself? And if you can do it for yourself, you can model it for your kids. Now, look, I'm going to be very honest with you. Most of these things, I don't do well. Almost all of them, I don't do well. One thing that I can do fairly well is pause. And that can change your life right there. So pause. And you also try. I mean, I know that you're like, I'm trying this, you know, I'm trying that. I mean, I think that, that you do that regularly. I do that regularly, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying. I'm, try- I'm trying. I put it this way: I'm I'm aware of it. I'm thinking about it. I'm aware of it. But you know, in practice, it just it's just taking a little. You know, it starts with a pause. Usually, it starts with some kind of a pause because I'm on autopilot so much of the time, and I I constantly have that statement in my head: I don't have time for this. My question to myself is: Okay, if you don't have time for that, what do you have time for? And really, <laughs> no, yeah, if you don't have time to be kind to yourself, if you don't have time to be caring of yourself, what do you, what do you have time for? That's such a good question. There's so much resistance within us, right? Yeah. We can come up with a million objections to why we're not going to try something. Uh, I don't have time for this. I'm too depleted. It's exhausting. I can't remember it. You know, there's so many different reasons. But I think that when you make your goal something itty bitty, <laughs> And it's really hard to not even do that itty bitty goal, right? You're setting yourself up for success when you make it itty bitty. So I think anyone who's listening today, we would love for you to try to just pause. You know, that's a beautiful one. 
Tell us about your experience. You can tell us. You can actually reach us at, Rini, where can they reach us? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> You're Ed Krasnick, just so yeah. you remember. <laughs> yeah, who am I? Okay, no, listen, uh, you can reach yeah. us at gozen.com forward yeah. slash Dear Anxiety. Yes, that's Please right. reach out to us. We would yes. love to hear from you. And yes. we also really love that you guys are leaving us feedback on iTunes and other places where you can catch the podcast. So you can go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Dear Anxiety. And if you scroll, I think you scroll to the bottom to leave a review. If any of this is helping you and it resonates with you, we really, really appreciate it because it just helps us reach more people. Our goal is to reach as many people as possible. And hopefully, you know, we talk about a lot of different techniques. You take one of them, take one of them and try it. Yeah. I mean, this is, we're a community. No one does this by themselves. No one does this in a vacuum. Everybody feels the same thing. Everybody thinks the same things. No one is unique in the 7 zillion people that are on earth. We're all the same. And, and just something, you know, I say this, I don't know if anybody's going to hear it, but it's so inspiring. Last night they had the ESPY Awards. I don't like to bring pop culture into the podcast, but, but the, I mention it because Bill Russell, who was a great basketball player and a civil rights leader, a human rights leader, they honored him. And what he was talking about was why he believed in himself growing up. He said, I, I had two parents who were so loving of me and they made me believe that I was lovable. And so I started treating myself accordingly. And he became a hero in the world of, you know, civil rights at a time in the 60s when people were experiencing a lot of hatred, a lot of problems. And he said, there's a line inside everybody of self-respect that you don't cross. And it's just a non-negotiable. And that's how sort of how he grew up. I say it because, I don't know, I say it because it's very inspiring. And if you can find something in the world that inspires you, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to do. This show, you know, we believe in the show. We, we believe in the idea of creating community around well-being, around being conscious of the way we feel, what we think, and how we relate to ourselves and other people. So keep listening to Dear Anxiety and let us hear from you. And keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'm Ed Krasnick. I'm Rini Jane. See you next time. Bye, guys.